He was armed only with this. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. My name is Roger. And I'm Declan. And uh, this is the show where we write a song in the space of a week and we talk about how we wrote those songs on this podcast. Lyrics and chords and the construction of the songs and everything. And... uh, We've written seven songs each over the past seven weeks, and now we're going to summarize. I thought you were going to say we've written seven songs each over the course of the past week. I was like, I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Have you not? And you were supposed to. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Quick. Here's song number one. Here's song number two. Here's song three. You've you've mentioned this before, but like, there's that thing of like, if somebody came to you with a brief or came to us with a brief and said, like, we need a song in 24 hours, do you reckon you could do it? Uh, yeah. Wouldn't be a great yeah. song, but it'd be a song. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they didn't give any, like, specifics to me, I think I'd be fine. Like you say, if they just said, we need a song, some chords, but some lyrics. It must be exactly three minutes and 22 seconds in length, and it must be about fruit. You must mention that as part of our Healthy Living initiative. And it must feature the latest synthetic noises that uh, people put on these records. I don't know what they are, but... it's that kind of thing and uh, also you must write it for five female voices now I'm assuming you'll have no problem doing that being quite a butch man uh, as you can tell by this voice that I'm imitating so (laughs) I love how your like archetypal record executive guy is just like the classic 60s you know proper English guy you know know, we're going to need a synthesizer on this you know are you sitting comfortably Good, then we'll begin. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've, um, if you're new to the to the podcast, um, this is season 11, and the way a season works, which we've never actually like explicitly, much. I guess we have, but anyway, the way a season works is... Um, we, for all we the each, new listeners out there. We each write for um, every week, for seven weeks, until we have uh, seven songs each, and then on the eighth week, which is what this week is, episode 108, um we go back over the songs and we take a listen to them and we kind of like go, ooh, what what have I learnt this season? What could I have done better this season? Um How did it match up with our goals at the beginning of this season? Cause that's gonna be an interesting oh, yeah. conversation for me. <laughs> oh yeah, because like what were our goals like to be more poppy? To write more poppy that, style songs. That was definitely mine to try and write more mainstream stuff. Um yeah, that that didn't happen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh I got to say I I had the idea to kind of write a few more poppy style things, which I think I did somewhat. I think we both did, but like one I kind of was unspoken in my head is to write less like sad, miserable songs, and I'm not sure I managed that, but that's the next season one, I guess. Just slay that in stone at the beginning of next season. Be happier. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I to be fair, actually, because we, because we're doing this in like um, during the COVID lockdown and uh, the pandemic and everything, I don't think it's possible to write like fully happy songs at least every week. I think we can allow ourselves a little bit of um. Honestly, you know, with just life, I don't think it's possible to write happy songs for seven weeks in a row. Um, maybe that will be the challenge next time. Force ourselves <laughs> not to be miserable. But then you can't be false with these things. Um, but yeah, yes, I mean, can. 
how else would I write any of my songs? <laughs> I'm the king oh, of insincerity. That made, me, that made me sad to hear. Even though I knew you was joking. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're going to start from week one um, of the old podcast, season 11. And uh, just purely what's at the top of the list here, I've got uh, week one, which is... By the way, if you want to like listen along... Um, all these songs are on SoundCloud in a playlist called Season 11 Weekly Songs. They're also on Spotify, for sure. Apple Music, maybe. Uh, I think just wherever thing podcasts go, these songs also go kind of between the episodes. Is that right? Yes, that sounds about right. I'm not sure if they're always in the correct order between the episodes, but they're definitely there. <laughs> so you will yeah. find them. <laughs> so you can listen along and like pause and go between them and stuff if you want to. So my first song on uh, season 11 was Meanwhile at the Bird Sanctuary. (laughs) So that was uh, Meanwhile at the Bird Sanctuary. I do like this one. I love how also we said... In the first episode, we were going to write more poppy stuff, and you think, I know what I need to voice this song for me. <laughs> it's a chorus of birds. Because <laughs> that's mainstream. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you raised a good point while we were listening to it, too. Like, is it a song? And, like, how would you define song? I wish I had a dictionary nearby, because I'd look up the actual definition. But even that, I bet's vague. Yeah. Hmm. Because, uh, I think. Some might argue that songs have lyrics. I think sometimes all you really need is like a a clear sense of identity of who the singer is, whether they be a real or fictitious person. Uh, Right. In this case, uh, the singer is a load of birds um, using the only language that they can use. So I'd argue it's a song. Because otherwise you've done one less weekly song than you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. We, we can't have that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's one of those ones where I think when I wrote this one, I had this sort of brainwave like, I'll, it'll be whistling. You know, how crazy and original of me. Um, or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm being sarcastic, by the way, if that doesn't come across. Um, and then I was like, oh, I could do a whole season of like weird, like, takes on what the song is as an art form sort of thing and then that quickly fell apart. I was wondering if you were going to go down that route. It was tempting. I I think I think for the second week I was trying to think like oh what could I do next? You know, I could I could hum, you know, meanwhile the worm sanctuary or something. Worms don't hum, I don't know why I said that. But that sort of thing. I like the idea that it would be the same melody just hum. <laughs> yeah, but just reharmonize. <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know it kind of is what it is it's like it was kind of like self-contained and like almost finished i felt like once i'd recorded the demo um it's just like i could put that on some kind of the start or, or like a secret track or something on some project that's a little bit more off the wall um, I like the idea of like putting it in the middle of a project so like you have a fully constructed side one and side two and just the gap in the middle where you would be turning the vinyl over is meanwhile in the bird sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of fun, actually. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's not a great deal to say about it um, just because it is kind of... It's like one. I think the only downside is that it's kind of one dimensional. You know, it you kind of it's a one trick pony. It's loads of birds singing. There's not really anything else to say about it. <laughs> I think it's a nicely composed and harmonized melody. Uh, I I feel on that front of composition, it does stand up, and it's you know it's pleasant to listen to beyond the gag of it being, or oh, what if the birds were like just doing this while we weren't looking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the redeeming thing is like, is the title came afterwards. It wasn't like, oh, I could do this song about these birds. It was like, I whistled it just as a way to capture the melody. Because I do that sometimes. Just like, if you don't have any lyrics, sometimes and you have just a melody, just whistle the melody. And it only it's only that I recorded it with such a crappy mic that it sounded like it was a bird that kind of spurred it on. Um, so like, yeah, to, to the point of like the, the harmonization and the actual melody of it, it was um it was uh supposed to be melodic in the first place um and then the gag came later. I feel like if you do that kind of thing the other way around, you can kind of end up with something that's a bit cheap 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 but um tish <laughs> you were waiting to use that for a while, weren't you <laughs> uh maybe <laughs> no, but I like that one, and I like I said, I think it stands up independent of the gag. It it doesn't just work in that context. It's just nice to listen to. Well, thanks. Thank you very much. And like, um, and like the tone of the recording as well really suits like uh, how it's performed, shall we say. Right. Well, yeah, it's just like a load of overdubs, you know. It was just fun to do, you know. Um, but... Uh, yeah, and then your your song from week one, uh, episode one hundred and one, was called "Alarm Clock." Yes, my <laughs> goodness, what what a creative genius I am in coming up with names of songs. So that was uh, Declan's uh, song from episode 101, Alarm Clock. Um, I really like it. I was saying, like, the intro, you could totally play that kind of thing with, uh, not violence, sorry, cellos, and have it, like, be a sort of Eleanor Rigby type of thing. Or, like, I think you were saying Hounds of Love while we were listening to it. Uh... I did not. No, I, I did say that. <laughs> sorry, I don't, I don't want to gaslight you. That would be awful. Gaslighting <laughs> is the number one no-no. Like murder, rape, pillage, uh, genocide, they're all fine. But gaslighting, we are against that here. We are, yeah. All those other things you just said that we practice them regularly. We don't. Yeah. I don't see what the big fuss is about murder. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I mean, you could have that sort of hounds of love, like close mic cello sort of thing. I don't know if that would be the sort of direction you'd go with it or if it would be more like a rocky number or what. It's interesting. Um, it's so, definitely something you could do with it. Like, there's a lot of ways you could uh, add instruments to this to sort of produce it out as it goes on. Uh, it happens to live on guitar in my head at the moment, but 
who knows what will happen with it like uh I I kind of I kind of like doing these thought experiments with songs uh, sometimes, uh, where like someone will suggest an idea, and it's maybe not what you're thinking of, and it maybe won't suit where it will end up, but it's just fun to think about. Like you know, what if it did have cellos on it? What if I put a brass band on it? What if I did it like dubstep? <laughs> <laughs> not I that like last all one. of them apart from the dubstep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, no, I know what you mean. Like just on that. <laughs> You've heard dubstep before. Um, <laughs> I uh, no, but it's just on that like little point. It's um, it's interesting. Like, because if you're mostly a guitarist, primarily, like I am, and like you are, you kind of think of your songs as guitar songs often, don't you? Or like, if you write it on piano, it's a piano song. But like, sometimes somebody who who hears your song for the first time can say like oh try it try it with a synthesizer and you go no way but actually it might take it in a whole different direction um it's fu- it's just fun changing songs over the different instruments and seeing what effects you get out of them or what effects are suggested by how you're playing them i mean one of my favorite things that i can't really do at the moment because my piano's a wee bit buried uh but one of my favorite things to do when writing a song is like chuck the chords back and forth between a guitar and a piano and see how they sound on each one because right. they lead you in different directions yeah no definitely um i mean like even just the thing of like playing a c major chord on the guitar and then playing a c major chord on the piano they have completely different tones to them and like they support the the voice the lead instrument in different ways mm. um but like with alarm clock do you know what sort of direction you're taking you said guitar but like, um, would you have drums or would it? Because be, like the the demo is just very pared back. I know there's no drums on our demos anyway. But like, would you add drums or? I think so. Definitely, that sort of explosion moment needs drums. Um, hmm. It just sort of depends how what direction it goes in if it gets produced up, and at that point, <laughs> it's just like. Okay, well, I'm just going to chuck everything at the wall, see what sticks, cut out all the stuff that didn't, and then it turns out it has drums for like I don't know half of it or something. <laughs> but, um, that, that's the I thing with it, drums is like once you like set up a drum kit and start recording it, it's very tempting just to have it like all over the track. Hmm, that's the danger of like just going like, well, okay, uh, so I've got this really good beat for this part of the. Ver- Actually, you know what? I'll just like copy paste that throughout the rest of it. It's fine. yeah yeah totally um but sometimes actually like having a full drum track record and then like taking out bits as you're mixing that could be interesting as well in the same way that like adding unusual instruments can be actually taking Mm -hmm. stuff out is interesting too i mean that's uh kind of why i try in demos that i send to people is to put as minimal drums in as i can just the key accents so to see like what they come up with, but also if it suggests sparseness, then they're not they tend not to come back with things that sort of clutter. Like mm. things will just come back that are balanced and fit in the space. Yeah, that makes sense. I think as long as you have like a vague thing of like if it's like a tonal instrument, like where the chords are, and if it's a rhythmic instrument where the accents are. It's something I've taken a leaf out of your book, actually, is like because you, like you said, you'll just give people like the general like this is 
basically where things sit. Whereas I have this bad habit of going, this is exactly what I want. Um, and I'm trying to break that habit. Like, you last can play time... everything, though. So... <laughs> so you know exactly what you want. <laughs> but then, like, then you close yourself off to, like, other people's creativity, don't you? So... I mean, arguments for and against. Uh, so, yeah. Um, week three. Um, wait, week three? Week Not two. week three. Song three. Song two. That's by Blur. Um, woohoo. <laughs> woohoo, indeed. Huzzah. Um, no, uh, week two, um, I had the song Take Me By Surprise. Um, and I can't actually remember how it goes, so let's take a listen. So take me by surprise when I tell you that I'm done for the day. Spare me the singer you've been longing to say I'm tired and I'm waiting for a different way to be home Fading away is the price that you pay As a shadow stands in the sun I really like this one like it's it's very sweet like you've sort of got a couple of sweet songs in this run that sort of feel really well constructed and i just love the melody of this one it sort of rises and falls quite beautifully oh thanks thanks it's some i suppose it is kind of like uh ballady and sweet but it's also kind of dark you know it's got kind of like a, a weird darkness to it um, let's be happy next season why <laughs> should we come back just completely like flowers and rainbows next season um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those ones where it almost feels like it's a cul-de-sac demo. And by that, I mean, it's like, I wrote it and it took a week to write and then I demoed it. And now it's like, I don't know what else to do with it. So it's kind of just like left there to kind of like, you know, um, like an old car by the side of the road or something. It will be on a weekly songs number two when you eventually get round to releasing that. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm I'm so bad with getting around to releasing those collections, um, and I suppose the reason is because you know what we were saying during listening to that one is like when you listen to like not even old tracks but like demos from the previous season. Like I always listen to mine, and I just I have such a bad opinion of them, or like I hear the flaws so much. It's like I have to like go through, and even if I have the time to do one of those weekly song collections for for band cap and stuff it's like are they good enough and the answer in my mind is often no they're not good enough but then i'll ask you the answer in everybody else's mind is yes yes they are well i always say to you like should i put this one on the thing and you go just put all of them on and i go no but some of them aren't as good as the others so why would i do that at which point uh like all attempts to logic and reason break down and he does only put out a few of them and i hold grudges to this day I'm, I'm shaking my fist in fury at you, boy. Shake harder, boy. <laughs> I don't know why I'm calling you boy. You're older than me. Um, <laughs> old enough to be your father. Wait, what? That's not true. <laughs> or is it? No, it's not. Or is it? Um, anyway, but... Um... Turns out we're actually about, what, 30, 40 years apart? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've taken Declan under my wing in many ways. <laughs> I was working as a professor... <laughs> When a young 13-year-old Declan came I, I to, actually uh, sound like this. I put on the deeper voice to try and appear more of an age of Roger. But I actually sound more like this. 
<laughs> what, more West Country? <laughs> How dare I'm you? Farmer Roger here, and I'm writing you my nice new little folk song. It goes <laughs> like this. Very regionalist of you there, Declan. I used to say that a West Country man like myself can't be a professor at the University of Berkeley Music. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, anyway. we're both Cornish, so it's fine. We won't get in trouble. So, uh, Declan's song for week two, uh, episode 102, that is, uh, was a song called Guarantee. And it goes like this. No reasons, it's a crying shame A vacant vessel and an empty name When I'm on my own, content to stay at rest I know something's missing, but just what I can't address That was a guarantee. Um, it's probably the most upbeat of your songs at this point in the season. Um, I think actually it's pretty much the most upbeat of the whole lot. Uh, I think it's also probably yeah. when we're actually started taking trying to write poppy seriously. Like you can't just say it; you got to do it. So. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, there was that thing of like. Yeah, that's the intention, but um, shall we deliver or, or shall we not? Um, what about this song sort of made it poppy for you? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, um, was it like you chose the rhythm first and then you were like, oh, this will be like a poppy, like upbeat uh, rhythm? Or was it like you got to the chorus and went, oh, that's a killer chorus or what? I think it was just a bit slower, a bit more major. I think also where the vocal was placed in the chorus compared to where it is in the verses like it blew my voice out a wee bit but like uh, the verses are kind of and the chorus is in the I guarantee it's um I'm not a great singer I do apologize for what you've just heard but um like one of them is near the top of my range and one of them is a bit more comfortable mm. So, which is not necessarily something like occasionally I'll have had choruses where the voice is lower than in the verse or uh, where it just sort of stays in one pitch as like the combination of trying to keep it slower, keep it major and be aware of where the notes are pitched, which implies the energy given to each different part of the song. That was a rambly way of just saying be loud on the choruses. But... <laughs> no, but I get you, though. It's like, yeah, I think something is a bit more subdued and, and that sort of thing. It's hard to make those those like subdued songs like poppy. Fleetwood Mac do it quite well on Rumours um, quite often. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this sounds like a song with drums, but without drums. So th- is this going to be something you develop, do you think, as you go on? I don't know. I've got no plans to at the minute, but um, words need a rewrite. Uh, and then I think that's pretty much everything I write. Uh, like, 
tunes yeah. okay, but it's it feels a bit lollopy for lack of a better term. Like it doesn't like keep going do do do. It feels it it feels like it keeps disrupting its own rhythm. Which is intentional and it's by design, but I don't have anything that needs that at the moment. Mm. It's uh I mean I'd argue that it, it makes it more unique, you know, having those those pushes that sort of thing. Uh it does ha- takes a while to recover from the push though, which is kind of makes it lose a bit of momentum. Which like I say, it, it's a feature, not a bug. It's just it doesn't have a home at the moment that needs a song that works like that. I see, yeah. Um that's that's a difference I think in how you and I choose songs for projects. It's like I, I see if it were me who wrote Guarantee, I'd just be like, Yeah, it's a really good song and I'd just produce it and then it'd be done. Whereas I think you're much more sort of meticulous with like does it fit the concept? Does it fit the kind of groove I want to go for for this like side of an album and that sort of thing? So, is it vibing okay with the rest of the potential? Right, songs? right. <laughs> but yeah, definitely do something with this one. It's um, one of the one of the uh, like I say more upbeat ones and one of the best ones I reckon of this season. Captive audience two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> here we come. So my song from week three, episode one hundred three was called help me juliet and uh yeah it's the only one i've actually done anything with so far um so here the full version of this does sound amazing i absolutely love it well you play on it yeah despite those bits i still love it I did take a, a listen to this earlier, actually, and I was surprised by how how much it changed, you know, from one version to the next. Feels like you come in higher on the vocal on this one. Right. Well, I, I think I come in a bit. What you, as opposed to, well, I could never do what you. Yeah, it's crazy how the, how much the vocal melody changed. Actually, there's actually more melodic detail and like rising and steps and stuff in this version that there is in the final one i mean i don't notice that much of a difference i think it's just like only like little detail differences which is just what happens performance to performance anyway yeah true true but usually like i'll like add a few more details like as vocal takes progress but this one actually forgot some i guess well, I mean, it's just vibe space. Like, I keep using this word a lot, but it's just become my dominant uh, recording philosophy. Um, it's going with what you feel works with the current recording. And if what you did on the final recording you feel works, then perfect. It's always like, it, I always feel things do work, but when I listen to the original demo, it's even stuff like having that, a as a pedal, ding, ding, ding. Wait, no, it's like a, on the chorus, I've got like a C as a pedal. Yeah. On the piano, which is missing 
because Tyler played the piano on the actual proper version, and he didn't do that. So like, I miss stuff like that, but it's like, you kind of sacrifice some stuff, and then other stuff you wouldn't have expected comes along, so... It's kind of pointless comparing the demo to the final version, though, or, like, this demo, because this is just a finished version, as it were. This is, like... This isn't, like, a blueprint for what the song would become. Like, it, so all the choices made here only need to work in this context, just the same as, as in the final version. All the choices that everybody made on that version only need to work in context with each other over there. Right. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I had never thought about it that way before. Like, they're the same song, they're the same recording, and a lot of the uh, elements that are shared between the two are very almost identical. But they're not, but they don't need to be identical in each case. Like, they both work in their own distinct ways. Yeah, true. True. Um, and, yeah, I think if you try to... If you go... That's the thing. If you if you have a demo and you go, oh, the guitar... Like, for example, like an arbitrary example, like, I love the guitar in verse one, right? And you go, when I record the proper thing, I have to have that guitar in the same tone and the same rhythm and the same amp and everything. Like, you're probably going to be disappointed. Like, maybe you can re... re- recreate it in a different way but if you try to get exactly the same components as you had on the demo it doesn't usually work you know Mm. i find anyway yeah it's that weird thing of like it's the same thing as we do with the covers like if you just try and like cover the original song then you're going to lose out uh because that's it won't sound as good because you're automatically comparing it to that one it only needs to work in its own context yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, and it just it just stops you and other people from that comparison thing, doesn't it? Mm. Of like, oh, that's not quite the same as that. Or like, hey, you tried to create that guitar tone again and you didn't, and that sort of thing. Whereas if you replace it entirely with an acoustic guitar, or vice versa, then, uh, you know, you know, it's... Mm. I completely lost my train of thought. But yeah, I I do agree that like you, you can't just recreate stuff wholesale. So Declan, your song for week three. Three? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we can't count. So <laughs> So Declan, your song for week three was uh Florence Foster Jenkins. Um one of my favourites of yours. Um let's take a listen to it. As I spread my wings and hit the stage I pause as the ivory starts to play You can't say that I can't try to cut my flight You can laugh all you want and indeed you might But you can never say that I didn't even try and that's all right. I love your vocal performance on this. This your vocal sits really nicely here. Thank you. Um, it's kind of a weird one to pitch. Uh, not in terms of like um, like hitting the notes, but just in terms of like the right energy for it. 
Like, I still don't mm. know whether I want this to be a full-out balls-to-the-wall, like, heavy rock thing. There's potential for that in there. I I don't know if I want to instead keep it in this sort of semi-acoustic space. Yeah, because when you have the, like, uh, you can laugh if you want, and indeed you might sort of thing, you could have that whole bit, like, crashing cymbals, you know, like like a nice heavy drummer. Mm. But like you say, equally, you could have it as, like, well, like the demo is. You just, like, strummed acoustic guitar. And there's an intensity just in the lyrics like, without without any fuzzy guitars and stuff, I think. Mm. I think this is one that, of anyone who comments on this uh, to me, I think people seem to have liked this one the most, which is nice. Although it does mean like, oh God, now I have to write another one as good as that. (laughs) (laughs) There's always that feeling in there of like, oh crap. Yeah, it's it's the thing, like you bring a a song you feel is going to be pretty nice to the podcast and it's like, oh yeah, this one is really nice and like Roger really liked it and it seems to be going down well. Oh God, I have to write another one now, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think made this one... Um, I don't know, like, what's the key thing that you felt like you really liked about the song? Was it the chords, or what? I don't know. I think it's... it's Honestly, I think I kind of like the lyrics, most of it, of all on this one, mm. which is a weird thing for me to say, because I hate writing lyrics. But I think this is kind of the point where I worked out write your main point first put that as a chorus once you've got it all composed write your chorus first and then like plot the rest of it as a story around it which has kind Mm -hmm. of changed the way i write songs i haven't done it for every single week following but it it, it's a way that makes more sense to me now thinking about how to structure a journey it's like yeah I think the the closer you can come to like, fi- oh, is it not even like deciding, but just discovering what makes you a songwriter and what makes the uh, can't speak like what gives you your unique voice? I guess you could say, like, you know, the better songwriter you are, you know, and if if part of yours is like, um, having the central narrative point and then and then writing the story around that you know, then you've discovered something pretty important, I think. Because mm, I think the trouble is, the way I tend to do it, like, nine times out of ten before this, was, like, uh, just start writing and see where you end up. The trouble is, you right. say everything you want to say really quick, and then you're struggling <laughs> to come up with what the rest of the song can be about. Yeah. Which um, uh, just ends up, potentially leading to things feeling bloated or disjointed or disconnected whereas with this one if you know that it has to go back into like Florence's viewpoint in the chorus then the fun is like seeing what two audience reactions lead to the same chorus and how can they change yeah yeah definitely and this might be kind of a bit of a convoluted question, but to to decide what fills the narrative in the verses, for example, do you did you feel like you sort of approached it from like different aspects of the character or like different points in like the narrative in terms of time? Like first this happened, then this happened, then this happened, or was it more like this viewpoint, then this view, viewpoint, then this viewpoint? Uh, 
little column A and a little column B, quite frankly, because the first verse <laughs> right. is like um, where like it sounds like people are discovering her, and they realise, wait a minute, she used to be this pianist, now she's trying to sing, but she can't. Uh, so it implies being early on and uh, this viewpoint of like, oh my god, she's terrible. Whereas the second view uh, verse is like from the viewpoint of being much later on, like it lifts one of the quotes from one of her later performances, and you get the sense that people have been going to the shows for a long time and they're going, wait a minute, does she know? Are we the bad guys here? So it's it right. is literally A and B, which is interesting in that the chorus doesn't change. It maybe takes on a slightly different meaning, but. Like I'm going way too far into this for the recap, but like it, it highlights the defiance of keeping the chorus stationary. Like sod you, I have been doing this because I want to do this, and you, none of you can take that away from me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I've always liked that about this song. It, it's um, one of those. I think you described them before as songs that I write that are we few, we happy few. Uh, yeah, we happy few in this case being one person. Um, <laughs> but it's I haven't written many songs like that in a while, so I, I I think this is just like a perfect combination of damn near everything that I like in my songwriting. The trouble is these things only co- <laughs> uh, coalesce and converge once in a blue moon. Oh well, I mean, you know, don't we all find that with with songwriting? I mean. Well, I've written seven songs just like you in the past seven weeks, of course, and there's like two that I'm like, they're good songs, and the rest of them like, I could speak well, about them perhaps. If if you think there are only two good songs in here, then you are wrong. Um, well, not not good. I'm not putting myself down. I'm just I'm I'm agreeing with what you're saying in that like sometimes one, if anything, is a good thing. One song comes along that you write and you go, that's it. That's what I'm trying to do. Like the other ones, they're good and fine, whatever. But that one, that's what I'm trying to do. And it's like, like you say, that inconsistency around that is kind of frustrating sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, but then that's the thing. We're writing needs to schedule, whereas most artistic people write as they feel like it. That's a challenge. It's also the biggest setback in that we have to come up with something. We shall talk about this for my song for week four. But uh, sorry, for week five. But. Uh, yeah, it it's it's our greatest strength and it's our greatest weakness. Just on that point, though, I, I think that if you set your cha- yourself a challenge of like, um, I, you could look at it from any any point of view, but like, let's like not do it with songwriting for a sec. But like, if you were to if you're a painter and you paint a picture every day over like a month, you'll have like thirty or so pictures, so canvases. And then some of them will be really good. So in a way, like after a month, you will have more good work than somebody who like wrote when they felt like it. Mm. So yeah, because even if you um, write when you feel like it, you might still come up with something that you don't like that much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Florence Foster Jenkins is my favorite of your songs this run for sure. It's just I love Thank it. You. It's just a really good song. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say. So moving on to week five, uh, my song was first on that playlist that we have in front of us. Um, It's Trials and Tribulations, and it goes like this. Trials and Tribulations I've said all that 
I forgot I did the bell things in this one. It's a lovely tone on it. Like it's all kind of down to that reverb. Mm. It feels like it wouldn't need much to sort of push it up to like being on an album or something. Just in That's kind of, of encouraging, vibe. actually. Like it, it is a little rough and scratchy, but then it's a lot more produced than the shit that I produce. <laughs> well, I think it's because we had that kind of like vague-ish conversation like near the beginning of the season where we noticed that we had started to produce the demos just a bit more double tracking a guitar here putting a harmony there that sort of thing so i think just for this season i was like i'll try to make each of the songs like stand alone by themselves even if they're not perfect which they are not yeah just having that extra sheen of production i guess hmm But again, the thing that I think always lets it down, it's not even like, it's not the chords, it's not the lyrics or anything. I would write rewrite some lyrics of some stuff, like this one, Trials and Tribulations for sure, but it's the vocal performance, you know. I, I wish I could just like record a vocal and then just be done with it and be like, that's a finished vocal. But vocals are the, definitely the hardest part to like nail and be proud of, I think. Uh, you're talking to someone who's not happy with his vocals on like his work that he's selling let alone the stuff he records quickly for the podcast and for some reason i started referring to myself in the third person that's not good um (laughs) yeah it's um yeah but i mean that's the thing vocals are tricky aren't they it's like jonathan rado saying like you spend hours putting down like the perfect um guitar tone and micing the drums just right and then when it finally comes time to do the part that anyone actually even cares about which is the vocals that's kind of where it all all comes down oh i feel that so much like produce something give it a rough mix and a rough balance without a vocal on it i think yeah this is sounding really good this is sounding pretty sensational put the vocals on oh god it sounds like a whiny teenage boy why (laughs) (laughs) yes i I actually know completely what you mean the amount of times i went back to help me juliet and just like i I literally wrote the lyrics on a notebook and then like would scribble out one line just because in the recording it's like that's a tiny bit flat that's too loud that's too quiet that sounds too you know whatever it's that you obsess over it a little bit don't you i mean uh, same happens for recording the podcast demos like occasionally you'll just try and try and try to get the right tone of a line even though it's just a demo and it's going to be heard once and you're going to we record all of these with the understanding that they're not perfect they're literally just for us to demonstrate our ideas to the listeners but it's like but no i really need to get this one idea across in this one line and i haven't done it yet yeah my throat is not a raw mess on the floor yet <laughs> yeah well you know it i i find it's if i listen to old stuff where I, I didn't pay that amount of attention to a vocal recording it just irks me it just makes me go why didn't i spend more time on it why didn't i go back and just redo that one line why didn't but then i hire a singer sing- to do this for me <laughs> <laughs> oh man that would be so much easier oh, um if i could be in a band with a singer that'd be so much better for me <laughs> Imagine never have never having to worry about vocals again. Oh, don't don't even tease me with the idea. 
Oh, but uh, but then by the same token, you don't want to kind of be so hung up on like getting your recording right, do you? That that you never record and never release music and all this sort of thing. What's the quote? Um, never let your perfection get in the way of getting stuff done. Yeah, I love it. I really love that. That's a, it's such a good mentality to have. Of just like you know, mm. it's difficult there, there, to keep in mind. We all fall victim to it, but it's something to try and remember. Definitely, um, but uh, as for trials and tribulations, I, I don't know. I don't actually like it that much, to be honest with you. It's probably my least favorite of the of the lot. How dare you? Um, it's a masterpiece. So, so yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love this song. I can't believe you don't like it. How? Why? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with you? You monster! <laughs> what's that, What's the matter with you? Uh, Why I you get so mad? It's just some. <laughs> <laughs> it's Soviet Russia's song, right? You. Oh dear! And we've just lost our Russian audience. <laughs> Sorry, I can't think of a single Russian name. Verklov? <laughs> well, wherever you are. <laughs> Just know this that one goes out to you, to. Verklov. <laughs> um, okay, so let's take a listen to uh, Sequence. Uh, that's your song from week four. Four. Cool. I, knew, I knew that GCC and Mass would come in useful. I can see the sequence chain of all the little things that led us to the place we found ourselves. And we retrace our feelings in all the words we didn't sing. You look into my eyes, you know it well. interesting thing when i was uh doing this song i was so i was so worried that i'd nick something from somewhere and i sent it over to someone uh once i'd written it and recorded a rough version of it saying like okay i've written this and i like it but i think i've nicked it from somewhere so could you tell me where i've nicked it from please and they sent back saying like oh this is amazing i can't hear anything but it sounds like it might have been influenced by x y and z which is an artist i'd never heard of so i was like okay fantastic phew phew <laughs> yeah it's it's so worth checking that stuff though isn't it because like it just could be a vibe that you picked up from somewhere but by the same token you don't want to like record something and then go oh no i completely ripped off whatever it is but yeah you don't want to come to the podcast and go i've got this uh, great song it's got this uh chorus in it it's really innovative i don't think you've ever heard anything like it, it ends with this phrase like yeah 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 and uh it's all about you know this woman who loves this man and you know i decided to express this with the words she loves you <laughs> do you think it's original i'm pretty sure it is <laughs> But, I've I mean, never heard of a song th- like that at all once, not ever. That's the that's the other thing though with like doing what we do perhaps a bit too much of like um trying to put clever chords in and stuff is like at least we err more on the side of like originality, 
even if it's like a bit too much sometimes it's like at least we're trying to like steer in this like uh the less trodden path i guess hmm i mean honestly i don't write trying to be original i write trying to be good which is why i stick in so many chords that don't fit i just yeah i think by just trying to i don't know even if you're influenced by stuff just trying to write stuff that's a bit more quarterly unique helps you know Mm. i mean everyone's just a combination of their influences at the end of the day yeah absolutely none of which went into this song at all clearly by the fact that i nicked a thing from an artist that i hadn't even heard so that's fine that's just that's just fishing at the ether that's all that is yeah just like just some synergy up in here man just some brainwave vibes i'd say this song is like well i was trying to think of a really good synonym but just just really good and it's playing again which i think this song is song. what's the word good <laughs> no it's it's really good and it's um it's got like a that's what i'm trying to say it's like it's got a groove to it i think like it's kind of got like a chugging groove to it which you could easily have a drummer sit in on um i don't know it's really good i could just i could just hear it exploding into the chorus you know while still having those sort of like subdued uh verses kind of like it's got in the demo it's one of those ones i know where the energy needs to be shaped on it i know where it needs to get big and needs to get quiet and i sort of know how that can be achieved whether it stays acoustic or whether it stays or whether it goes electric it's just trying to work out at what point in that scale does it need to uh go up to does it need to be this like foo fighters-esque like massive and ah, i can't see like go into a massive chorus like that or does it need to be kept a similar way to florence foster jenkins like does it need to be kept a bit smaller yeah, I mean, sometimes the best way to do that is to like just create a few different demos. Like, not even like put your all into all of them, but just like make one really soft one, one with strings, one with a rock guitar, you know. And you kind of go, mm. oh, I... and then you might even combine them, where you go like, oh, I like the heavy chorus on the third one I did, but actually I like the, I don't know, more experimental side of another demo. I think this is probably the most poppy one I wrote this season, which is like the most fulfilling of uh the challenge that i set myself at the beginning which i don't think most of the others actually fit into the mold of <laughs> right right like arguably the next most uh pop songwritery one uh florence Foster jenkins is about a woman who couldn't sing so <laughs> i'd say jacob is pretty um poppy like it's got a poppy chorus um i um, think between jacob and and uh, sequence I think you've got a couple of really good pop choruses. Well, it's good to know that two out of seven, uh, I achieved my goal. <laughs> <laughs> About the same as me, to be honest. But like, but the cool thing is, like, while achieving that pop thing on this song, you've also got the diminished chords and the chorus and stuff. So it's not like this straight ahead, like, top forty thing. It has a, it has a, you know, a uniqueness to it as well. I can pretend that I'm clever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, it's really cool. Really, really cool. Thank you very much. You're very nice. Uh, so for week five, oh, I'm not looking forward to my song in week five, but your song in week five was a short chain. Again, another one I cannot remember. <laughs> the day. 
seen the rain pour, and I have seen the earth scorch, but I've never seen the sun go down on the world like it's never gonna shine no more. two ways you could take this I feel you could either go like full on 70s rock with it uh, but like in the vein of something more like Credence Clearwater Revival or the Eagles or something or you could like just keep it acoustic mm. and keep it in like a almost bright folk territory yeah yeah um, it is a big question mark in my mind of like which way to go with it like it's like uh, you were saying with se- sequels, it's like, do you go well, not full on, but just like, do, do you, you go, go heavy with it with drums and home? everything? <laughs> exactly. Do, do you go? Yeah. Do you go arena or do you go folk? I'd actually love to hear a credence sort of version of this, or a credence esque version of this. Now that I've said that out loud, I actually don't know anything about a credence Clearwater revival. Oh, dude, you're missing out on some good albums. What's a good album to start with? Um, Willie and the Poor Boys is good. Uh, Green River, Cosmos Factory, they're all basically all their albums are good except for Mardi Gras. <laughs> Poor Mardi Gras. Uh, I think there was a compilation a few years ago. When I say a few years ago, I mean in the eighties, called Chronicle. So if you can find like that, that's like their best hits. Uh, there was also right. Chronicle Volume 2, which my dad had, which is how I got into them, which includes some good songs from there as well. All right. I'll tell you what, what I might do then is give Credence Clearwater Revival a good listen and then just take it in that direction, you know? I Do send me the results because I'd 100% love to hear them. I mean, that's assuming I can replicate that band and I don't even know what they sound like, so... I mean, I'm not sure you'd be able to do the voice. Or, uh, Bad Moon Rising, uh, Down on the Corner was a big one. Um, oh, right. What else? Sorry, I'm just going to open up my music library and have a look a second. Uh, they did a great version of... Uh, heard it on the grapevine. Uh, Ooh, cool! I love that song. Fortunate son—that's their big one. Oh yeah! Uh, Before you accuse me, who'll stop the rain? Uh, Ramble Tam- Ramble Tamble's a great way to open an album. Uh, but yeah, this is just turning into a chat about credence, and it's meant to be about your song. <laughs> No, I I really don't mind digressing onto this stuff at all. Um, especially because like there's episodes full of us talking about these songs. Um, plus, also this this will give me a way to produce the song too. Ooh, yeah. I think you probably need like a distortion effect to try and like if you wanted to go into John Fogerty territory for the vocal, but like I just think the instruments would sound really cool with that kind of. 60s not quite country rock but you're getting there kind of vibe right right yeah that'd be really fun um 
Yeah, and also just the the idea of like producing a song differently than I automatically would, I think is kind of fun. Like, because there's sort of like, I don't know if you're the same as me, but there's like a palette I'll go for with like this type of song where I'll just like record the same old drum part that fits, you know, and then record a bass line that fits and a guitar line that fits. And then it's like you end up with like, yep, that's me making music. And there's nothing wrong with that, but like almost sometimes purposefully taking cues from another artist is actually kind of fun, I think. Yeah, I wonder what this would sound like if I did this like Stevie Wonder. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good thing, just as long as you don't get up to the point of carbon copying. Like saying, like for example, mm. I don't know. Uh, okay, so the Foo Fighters always do this, so I have to always do. And I'm, I'm going to put all the influences in this one song, where mm. you forget to bring yourself to it, particularly if it's one of your original, you know, uh, one of your own original compositions. The crazy thing, though, with like, like you say, I like what you said, like bringing yourself to a to a recording is like, um. Sometimes you could bring yourself to recording, you could try something new you've never tried before and find even more of yourself, even more of your identity in that in that production. Like I found that with um because I've gotten more into pedals recently and just like using something like delay um as like an echo effect. I've never done that before really, but then to do that and go, oh, that's like an expansion of what I've is already integrally, you know, signature to to me or whatever, not signature, but you know. Mm. So just, uh, just trying trying new stuff is always is always good. And Keep your mind open. Actually... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so on week five, your song was in the age. Oh God. I don't get why you have like such disdain for the song. It's just not finished. Ah, that's the, that's the long and the short of it. Like, this is what I got done before the time ran out. Right. Like, I can hear it slightly too high for my voice. The words don't make a lot of sense. Um, those are things that I could combat in time but I didn't have it because I was an idiot and I left it too late um, I kind of like the riff That that's about as much as I can say positive for the song right well I think the thing is with the time constraint it's like at least you can blame it like what am I trying to say like you were under a time constraint and you did mean to go back to it. So like, it's not your bad, you know, it's like you, you know, given like another day, you would have lowered the key and you would have revisited the lyrics and everything. So it's just one of those things, isn't it? Hmm. Doesn't mean I have to like it. though. (laughs) No, sure, sure. We all have songs we don't like. One thing listening back to that recording is one of the either the acoustic guitar or the bass is out of tune. I'm not sure which, <laughs> but one of them's out. <laughs> oh man! Well, well, that happens sometimes. I mean, like you're saying, it was like a a recording that was 
rushed just by necessity. So, hmm. it, it, it is how it is. The first song from week six was uh, your one, which was I think I'm alone. I think I'm alone now. Doesn't seem to be anyone around. You literally split second ahead of me for the joke. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't make it on the week itself. I was trying to. I didn't think I had a good opportunity. If you thrust me into the spotlight, I'll be standing and waiting till dawn. There's no use in reading the rest of the lines. I'll repeat them when everyone's gone. I'll repeat them when everyone's gone. Lock all the doors and I unplug the phone. Heaven forgive these walls that I built up around my home. You can make me better. I mean, uh, I know I said this on a week, but I do love the Paul Simony kind of feel on this one. Thanks. It's one of those things where it's like, once I finished it and you said that, I was like, oh yeah, it does have that kind of early Paul Simon solo album type of feel, I guess. Mm. At least, like, um, aesthetically. I mean, maybe not, like, quality-wise. Also kind of reminded me a little bit of um, your song, uh, That Magician, but, like, a slightly more major version of it. Uh, whether that's just because I'm basic and they're both 3-4 and I immediately conflate the two. or But they both have this sort of very lyrical flowing quality whereas yes yeah whereas that magician feels a bit more negative is the wrong word but it feels more there's a stressful situation directly in front of you whereas with i think i'm alone it's kind of like you've retreated back into your head and you're just working things out yeah that's a pretty good appraisal of it i think um yeah, I do seem to go into sort of like a certain mode when I write in waltz, write in 3-4, and it seems to be, yeah, very sort of like lolloping lyrics and um, relatively introspective, that sort of thing. Because mm. um, after all, 3-4 is the most introspective of all time signatures. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're missing that extra beat, and that extra beat is where um, reason lives. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh, I, hey, I didn't tell you, did I? Um, I got um, I got string arrangements back for this song the other day. Ooh, you have to send them it's along just, to me. I, I want to send them to you when they sound a little bit um, more finished. They sound really good. A guy called uh, Miguel Vargas is doing them. He did the strings for um, what the hell is it called? The Grand that's Old what... Market. Ooh, that's got some good strings on it. That song. I'm looking forward to hearing He's very this. creative melodically with his with his arrangements. So um he sent me like a MIDI arrangement and um I've just gotta kinda like sit down and make some notes of like, oh, it would be cool if it did this instead of that melodically and stuff like that and um Instead of having <laughs> this as a G four, could you have this as a G five, please? And could we hold that uh that quaver for half a beat longer there? <laughs> and um, could we please have all the latest electronic noises on it, please? Yes, we totally need all those uh, synthetic noises that they put on those pop and roll records these days. <laughs> pop and roll. <laughs> the best genre label there is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, 
So uh, your song for week six is uh, a song called Simply Jacob. Ah, my ode to jealousy. (laughs) I really like this one. And in your gentle manner, poking holes in every facet of my charade. If I don't leave here, I'll never stay. And in your splendor, I get afraid. I know I'm not perfect, I know I have flaws, but they were so easy for me. I cannot help but see the signs If you stay there I know it's not easy I know it's not fair But every second I stop and I stare I'll never keep hold of my mind If you're still there Again, this is another one where like Well, like two things It's like it has a great rhythm to it, like a groove, but also like where your voice is in it. It feels like, like you were saying within the age, like you felt like, oh, it's too high. I wish I had the time to lower it. Whereas this one felt like you found the key that like works for you. I mean, the performance is still pitchy as because it's me, but it feels more comfortable in that I'm only going up to my top note for one moment in the chorus. I'll never get to see the sun for that bit. Right, right. But then like having that like one moment in a song where like you do you know go up there um works as a nice like god I don't have my words today but like like a difference, you know? Like like that one little moment's like ah oh, right ah oh, catches your ear sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of like uh Okay, maximum emotion at this point. Mm. And I just love the thing of, like, every Jacob I meet, that sort of thing, like, that one line kind of, like, flips the song and it gives me, like, a sideways look of, like, what does that mean? It makes you, like, really listen in for, like, what the meaning of the lyric is. And what the relationship is with this Jacob. And because if you're just casually listening, it can sound like a love song, which it's not. Right. Or like an out-of-love song, as it were. Yeah. Which I think is kind of why... The, it's kind of deliberately vague. I want to try and trick as many people into thinking it's like something romantic up until the point where you get to uh, every Jacob that I meet and like that slightly weird sense in that bridge and see how many <laughs> think, hold on, wait a second, could you go back and play the first verse again? Yeah, yeah. It's like a kind of um, not quite the same thing, but like an every step you take type of vibe of like you think it's about this, but it's actually if you listen to it, it's kind of got like a a different meaning entirely, you know? Yeah, it changes the uh, meaning of the song, which you realise what it's about. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but like, it's a song that like, and I know I, I say this quite a lot, but you could just leave it as is. Like, maybe you'd want to like go back and do another vocal if you like wanted to kind of like patch in some parts but like do you think you would just keep it acoustic or what i want to see what happens with it electric like i was mucking about when i was recording some stuff for help me juliet i was uh, mucking about with the chords for that and it was sort of fun like turning off the treble booster just putting it in the top boost channel having a bit of a play with some of the settings and sort of 
getting these slightly cleaner, shimmerier sounds and sort of pushing it a bit more in that direction. Uh, oh, that could be cool. Which, uh, combined with the way I ended up overdubbing the acoustic and overdubbing the bass onto the rough acoustic recording, sort of split up the main acoustic parts. I'm just wondering what happens if you put the bass part in, the bass overdub in, put the acoustic overdub in on electric guitar have like that sort of sparse drum sort of sound behind it and take out that main acoustic part and then it's just this thing that sort of choppy changes uh like leaves a lot of space in there for the that stuff to come in a bit harder i think that's a great idea yeah definitely go that way with it i can, I can actually picture it picture is the wrong word but you know what i mean yeah that sounds well good thank you um yeah, I've been meaning to record a demo of that for a while, but I've been sadly busy. But that is the first thing I want to record the moment I'm done with the stuff I have to do is just get a demo of that done and see how it sounds. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, send it along when you do as well, because I'd love to hear that. At which point you just go, it's terrible. Why didn't you just leave it as an acoustic song? It was so nice. <laughs> Who condoned this? You did. <laughs> I did no such thing. Yeah, no, we don't have a it. podcast uh, proving that at all. <laughs> this isn't on some kind of audio record, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's really cool. It's uh, I think one thing that a lot of your songs do, which actually does fall into the 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 pop aim that you set and and I set as well, but separately, is that they're all concise. And like, because pop songs, like they're kind of like, there's no fat on a pop song really, is there? It's like, this is the chorus, this is the verse, these are the riffs, and then, you know, that's it. And it's produced up and that sort of thing. So none of these songs could be categorised as prog, as far as I'm concerned. No, well, I think the thing is, we write them for a podcast. So we have to kind of keep, if we brought like a 10 minute song to the podcast, that just eats into the time that we can discuss. It's not necessarily going to be as much fun for the listeners. And Mm. like, I think occasionally I've left in gaps for like guitar solos and things, but not often, only when it's like structural. Uh, like when the guitar solo would be over a different set of chords or something. Uh, the thing is, none of that sort is essential to songwriting. Uh, like extended intros or um, guitar solos or instrumental breaks or things like that. Uh the point here is just to get to the core nitty gritty of trying to create a pop song or a popular song I should say um, which it just lends itself to being short because you can go back and put all that stuff in afterwards like on the final version of Cut It Up on Apathy I think the guitar uh, break section has been extended uh, which it wasn't on the original demo but that's fine that's the final recording like right there, there was because it's a final recording on an album like there is room to have a bit of guitar fun there whereas if you're trying to talk about how it's constructed and why each section is there you don't need that section because it's not important it's just a bit of showing off time yeah definitely or at least it's not important yet like it what might be important when it's time to have some fun with guitars like you say but i actually think that's kind of like takes off some of the pressure you know like because if especially if you're like new to writing i like imagine you're writing like your first ep or something and you go like 
oh my god, not only have I got to write this thing, but I've also got to like think about where the extended sections are going to be, where I'm going to repeat choruses, and where there's going to be like a key, maybe not a key change, but that kind of stuff, like solo sections and codas is a big one, I find, like going like, because the coda is usually written once the song is like being recorded, I find. Mm. Um, so like, yeah, it just takes off that pressure because otherwise it seems like this insurmountable thing of like, I've got to write the song and decide what the repeat section is going to be like. So, I think the thing is, the way I tend to look at it now is that you don't need to think about that stuff up until this point where you're putting them all together into uh, uh, a collected form, whether that's an EP or an album or something. Uh, or something. Um, <laughs> that's your worst country coming out there, Professor. Exactly, yeah. Um, like, for example, uh, to look at something like A Day in the Life, the parts of that, the individual sections of song, uh, work quite functionally as individual pieces. They only really need the extended orchestra bit between them to connect them up as a function of utility. Uh, alternatively, mm. if you look at um, something like War of the Worlds, you only need those extended musical sequences to correctly build the mood so that when the narrator comes back in and tells you the next part of the story you have been suitably prepared you know essentially what I'm getting at is that if you've got guitar solos uh, or extended sections or coders or whatever it is nine times out of ten there should be a reason why you're doing it occasionally that reason can just be because it's fun but that can't be the only reason all the time yeah no no i agree um i i think i've just started thinking about coders for the first time in my life um just because i've gotten as into the recording of songs as i have the writing um recently and just stuff like i don't know sometimes the vibe just takes you know i like i was recording um uh, a song from season 10 called uh a little bit better right and um and I I was recording it and I was like putting down the drums and stuff and and the bass and then I just got to this point at the end where like the tape was still rolling and I just kept on doing the drum part. I was like, why am I doing this? And then it, it just allowed me this canvas at the end of the song because every, everything in a song structure I find is like so like like thought about and like has its reason like the verse is here then the chorus then the bridge and then the chorus whatever whereas to have this section at the end where it's just like i'm gonna allow myself to play and improvise and just like have you can even like fade it out you know just having that time to just goof off is just like mm. you can only really do that in the recording process because like you say if you talk about the other podcast uh, in an acoustic demo it's kind of like i mean you know, like it's not much there if, for example, podcasts existed in 1968, and we existed in 1968, and we got Paul McCartney onto this podcast in 1968, this is a very unlikely situation of circumstances, but there is one parallel universe where that has happened, and he brought on <laughs> something like Hey Jude, I bet you your bottom dollar that he would not have played the entire what is it three minute outro just going na 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 yes. hey jude on a demo like there would have been enough to convey the idea maybe two or three rounds of it and then it would have ended you wouldn't have gone the whole hog like they do like the beatles do on the final performance because you, you know that's the point of that uh recording it's the emotional catharsis at the end of the song 
it's like the big yeah. crowd vocals and like the moment you can start riffing on everything yeah and it requires the rest of the members so like like you say when not george when when paul wrote that song at home and he recorded it into his little cassette machine we can assume probably um you know it was just him whereas like when he took it to the band there was probably like loads of ideas bouncing off the wall and john going oh i could play this part under there and george oh, i can do a harmony on top of your nananas and that sort of thing and then also just the fact that they got into it probably mm. influenced that so also the fact that makes... they got the orchestra to sing on it as well apart from one person who didn't want to sing on a beatles recording <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, genuinely. They got the orchestra to join in on the na-na-na-na-na's. And there was one member of the orchestra who would not uh, dare submit himself to being on a Beatles, a lowly Beatles recording. Like, how dare you ask me? Um, (laughs) I'm not doing it. Basically, yeah. But uh, the end result is that you get a sort of like everyone mucking in kind of spirit on the recording which fits really well. See, I always thought that was just, you know, the four Beatles singing, but that's even cooler. Yeah, I don't... I I think they sort of fade in later. I'm not certain where they come in, but... Yeah, it's it's one of those examples of um, writing in the moment and, like, allowing the feeling and structure to sort of, like, dictate the recording... Because essentially a recording is just a recording of a snapshot in time. And if you're feeling this sort of great collaborative energy and you need this emotional sort of catharsis at the end of the song, then just extend it on. Just keep going. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, and I think to allow yourself that sort of looseness and um, and area to improv in a recording, I think is really good for you. Um, and really good for the song as well, because otherwise you get too rigid, can't you? I think that's one of the things the Beatles did so well, is they they did, like, you know, the the Rubber Soul thing, where, like, they, they were looking at the Rubber Soul, like, photos that could be used for the album cover, then one of them fell back, and then their faces were all stretched, as is famous on the album cover, and they went, we want that! And then in the anthology, Paul goes, like, we always loved those, like, unexpected, like, he doesn't use the word, but, like, kismet things, um, those spontaneous moments of creativity, they're brilliant. I mean, you've got to embrace them. Otherwise, you end up with something a bit clinical. Yeah, if you sort of just stick to formulas and, like, how things are in demos and, like, you only produce things that... Like, you've got to be disciplined, but you've also, but you've got to be this weird kind of disciplined where you can just sort of throw it all aside if you can recognise a good idea. And that's Definitely. the difficult part. It's like Miles Davis said, um, you have to learn all the rules and then you, so that you can break them. Hmm. Uh, we have gotten very far off the topic. Uh, I think we've done next... a coda. <laughs> we've done a coda. This is our version of Hey Jude. Um, <laughs> I think the next song that was written for week seven, so this is like final set of songs now, was yours, The Hoi Paloi. I've had my share of loving girls who care, get close enough to say they reached me. I went home and laughed and drew a nice cold bath Drowning any lessons they could teach me But now I'm bone dry and I'm full of fear It's a short life and I want you dear To know that I'm untrue In everything I do 
path I walk to you is paved with love, and love is a test. It irons the creases and asks for the best. Ah, the hoi polloi. I did that voice in the last one. Um, yeah, uh, the hoi polloi. Um, again, it's always weird when we get to the seventh week at roundup time because it's like, this was last week. <laughs> it feels like separate to the rest of the songs I wrote this season for some reason. Um, I think, honestly, uh, to be completely candid, I think I was tired of writing at this point. Um, not like in in a bad way of like, oh, I don't want to write, but just like once you've written six songs in a row, there's that feeling of like, what else have I got in me, you know? So I think you have to try and try something different, which I guess is what this one was for me. Hmm. I, I think I had something similar, but like expressed in a different way on my song for that week. But I love the... A lot of your songs this run have been very kind of introspective, and I kind of like that. And a lot of them feel... Uh, like they could suit either being like acoustic or like being produced up, but they'd be happy in either medium. This one, like, I think if you did anything more with this, it has to stay at least in the acoustic world. Right, right. Um, yeah, I I know what you mean. Um, I think the thing with the intro- introspection is just that, I mean, you know, just the time frame this has taken place in and so much time to be to, introspective. I was going to say, I think we come to this conclusion uh, at the end of the last couple of roundup episodes because they've all taken place in more or less the same sort of uh, same sort of world. Definitely. I mean, not to get too deep into it, but like, just it's a, it's a surprise to me that the songs haven't come out more. Um, um, I don't know, more honest that sort of thing, just because it's been. Are you saying you've been lying, Roger? <laughs> Not lying, just admitting the truth. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use that Ebo sound more often, like bending on acoustic guitar with an Ebo. It's kind of, something kind of cool about that. It's for some reason bending with an Ebo is super tricky because like, it's very easy to sort of lose the resonant spot. Uh, but when you can do it, it pays off so well. It's a cool tool to use, um, especially when you're like making an acoustic demo. It's like, what can you do that's a little bit different? And uh, stuff like slide on a slide guitar, that sort of thing, uh, can create a bit of a difference. But um, but yeah, I mean, the, the way our demos have changed over the seasons, particularly during COVID, has you know, it's been interesting to see. Because mm. even when we started doing these remotely, it was like, it was still very much like a guitar and a vocal recording and just send that over. So, yeah, I think doing the covers and stuff has really informed our, sort of, I don't know, production choices. Get over-ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be funny to bring in, like, an orchestra arrangement to one of the podcast demos. So uh, I'm just here with the uh, London Symphony Orchestra and I've also managed to get uh, the remaining members of uh, Led Zeppelin as my backing band. So we're going to use those just to get this rough demo down. Uh, And I've also managed to get a gospel choir as well, just to sort of give a feel for the background vocals. Just a rough sketch, though. Yeah, just, you know, just an idea. Just to get the vibes, man. Just to get the vibes. 
Led Zeppelin are just here so just they can help me sort of get down a basic rough idea. I'll be re-recording all the stuff myself because I'm I'm a stronger rhythm section than John Paul Jones and Jason Bonham. I was I was about to say that uh, I just realised in this hypothetical scenario I don't have a drummer unless like uh, the London Symphony Orchestra has a percussionist that, um, <laughs> that can get behind the kit. <laughs> <laughs> and even if so, it would just be one of those guys with the two crash cymbals. Hmm. <clears throat> Pale comparison to John Bonham. Just like timpani solos and everything. <laughs> um, so the final song of season 11 is uh, Declan's Keep Me Dreaming, which I remember really liking last week and I'm looking forward to listening to again. This will be the point where you come back and say like, no, it's terrible. Why did I like this? Was I drunk? <laughs> what was that? And how has my opinion changed so much in a week? I need your courage strength I feel so secure when I'm in your embrace why won't you just hold me let me in your embrace riff to kind of start off the whole thing that's also the verse that's cool I mean it's literally just laziness it's like what works on an E (laughs) (laughs) one thing I've really taken from your approach to writing over the past couple of seasons but particularly this one is like finding the key that works for your voice and like delivers the song with the right like pitching as you often say well, I think you've discussed that before. Like, isn't it sonality? The idea that uh, certain key centers have certain moods. Yeah, definitely, it's sonality for sure. But like, you do you tend to take it one step further, where you'll be like, "This song works for my particular voice," whereas sonality is more just like each key sounds different. Um, but uh, I just think it's such a, a, a subtlety in writing is to actually choose a key that works for you. Uh, it's not something I've done because I'm clever. It's something I've done because I'm limited. Like, I have to do it. Because if I'd done this on a standard tune guitar, it would have been too high for me to sing. Right, uh, right. It's, it's Like we've mentioned before, I've got a weirdly low top note. So I can't push up to the tenor range that most songs are sung in. Right. See, I, I have a little bit more leeway because I can, like... I can sort of maybe reach the top topo notes in my range, but like I'd rather not. Basically. Dude, 144p. <laughs> oh, but I was even just a young whippersnapper then. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're still in your 20s. Only just. <laughs> That's the crazy thing with COVID is like having aged throughout it and being like, oh my God, I'm, like a f- I'm a fully grown man now. And I, I didn't really feel like I was before. I was legally an adult, but I don't know. So this one, you definitely keep acoustic, right? Yeah. You know what? I know you haven't done this before, but strings would sound amazing on this. If 
they were there, I think they'd have to be subtle. I think the thing I like about this one is that it's it's kind of like what you would play if you just went to a beach and you had a guitar with you. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um like you could do a thing if you did like an album about Cornwall, for example, where you opened with that. I mean, if I did an album about Cornwall, like because this is my song and I am the only one who knows what the meaning of all of the songs are. Uh, <laughs> but like you could start with this one maybe, and then like get an orchestra to sort of um, do the melody like at the end or something. Oh yeah. But I don't. There would need to be a point for doing that. And I don't know what the point would be, but it would sound fun. Yeah, rather than just like some of those 70s albums where they go, we have budget left over from the label, let's hire an orchestra, we know one. Hmm. Yeah, I think it has to serve a purpose, but I just think any any song that's as delicate as Keep Me Dreaming is just something about it makes me go like, I'm sure an orchestra would sound cool in there. <laughs> I mean, it would sound cool if... Because uh, that... Imp- if you had an orchestra, you might not want the acoustic guitar, which should be fine, but then that means the only thing you're left with <laughs> is the idiot who can't sing. <laughs> I've had so many people disagree with you, man. Like, I've had so many people who listen to the podcast and hear your songs go, like, you have a really good voice, like, don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, I literally had to detune my guitar to be able to produce the notes for this one. Like, you can't win on that. <laughs> well... Everyone's got their range, you know. I have to detune. I detune for my week seven song too. Yeah, but like you detuned out of like stylistic kind of thing, like whereas I detuned because I had to. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that. I, I definitely detuned because it was hard to sing um, that chor- my chorus. Um, but uh, but no. Um, I just think what a cool way to to end out the the season. Um, with, uh, it's, it's surprisingly chill, a chill ending. Yeah, it, honestly, I don't take this a long way, but like, no matter how long I know you, it will always surprise me when you write a ballad. Because to me, you're such a like a like a rock guitar writer, you know. Th- thank you. It's uh, yeah, it's always cool to hear like um, a ballad from you because the ballads you write are always awesome, like really well constructed. <laughs> Essentially, are you saying stop writing uh, guitar songs, uh, rock guitar songs, and just start writing ballads? No, never. I will never say that. <laughs> you, you are fundamentally a, a an axe man, which is a phrase I'll never use and will never use again. Um, cool. We we were all witness to that. I just, I just want that to be known. Um, uh, yeah, that was all seven. Uh, weeks or 14 songs that we uh, have produced over this run of which two of them were arguably free if you count the folk thing at the end were poppy for me I mean were they poppy for you (laughs) I think they were poppy I I actually think you like looking back over the weeks I think you really achieved the pop goal Ah. pop goal thank you very much Like, like yeah I mean there's a lot of that pop element coming through on your songs as well some stronger than others are obviously like help me juliet is it's a pop banger but um <laughs> it, it slaps um <laughs> i'm down with the kids uh, <laughs> oh thanks but it, it's kind of that weird thing we both ended up writing some very weird songs with some very nice and very hummable melodies 
Yeah, which I mean, if that's all we've achieved, and it is, <laughs> no, then um, then uh, you know I, I'm happy with that. Um, I think next time I might try to go even more poppy, but it's like it's kind of like what does that mean? You know, like I guess catchy melodies in the chorus is like the one thing I could point to. I think but, uh, you could argue that pop would be like accessible and mainstream as opposed to like writing songs with seven diminished chords in and a minor um <laughs> but then that's kind of i that, that's always been part of the appeal of songs for me as well so uh, like there's got to be some accessible element to a song no matter how weird it is mm. yeah um I, I I think so too. I, I'm not a big fan of like um, prog rock music on the whole. There's some stuff I like King Crimson or whatever, but like if it's just like strange for strange's sake and it doesn't have like, you can tell that somebody didn't sit down and like think about what they were about to do. I suppose that's kind of like, in a way, that's kind of what pop music means to me. It's like somebody thought about it. Like they thought that will sound good if I, if I work on it, you know. I mean, there's this general consensus that pop music can sound more artificial than, like, rock or jazz or, you know, whatever other genre that you want to put it against. All music is constructed, but pop is specifically constructed to be kind of, well, populist, mainstream, easily accessible. Uh, Mm. Which is arguably why it can sound more artificial when not done correctly. Uh, But it's kind of... It's kind of weird when you say like I'll write for a genre because you're you're not there's not one tool that you can suddenly apply to say oh look I'm writing a pop song now like, yeah uh, most people you describe uh, with like a couple of adjectives uh, if you are describing them by genre like so for example you might say oh he does this kind of like um, pop stuff but like infused with reggae beats or like um. Oh, there's he's kind of like this jazz classical person, or like a you know this experimental hip hop kind of guy. Like, uh, it's learning what tools apply to what genres, and then like how you can apply those to the tools that apply to other genres, so that you end up with this unholy mishmash of weird, <laughs> weird little <laughs> techniques that make up your sound. Yeah, no, totally, I completely agree, and like, yeah, so much of it actually. Some of it's contained in, like, the original demo or, like, songwriting and then demo recording. Stuff like, you know, if it's got, like, a boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, like, rhythm, you go, that's probably a reggae song. Not necessarily, but maybe. Well, I mean, like, to use that uh, uh, example, you could double time that, boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, and then, like, uh, you could easily put that as, like, a country beat, for example. Absolutely. And then you can kind of like take the Frank Zappa um, thing of like he was saying, you know, you can start out with a Hawaiian ukulele song um, and, you know, that will be a Hawaiian song. But he says you you play the exactly the same melody on a fuzz tone guitar and, a, and all of a sudden you've got rock and roll. So like it actually comes down to the production as well. Um, and it's the mm. same piece of music, you know. Yeah, it's kind of weird to apply genre terms to writing. I think I've made the argument in the past that uh, genre is kind of meaningless. Uh, good music is good music. And I, I, I don't know that I entirely agree with that wholeheartedly, but like, it, genre definitely applies a lot less to songwriting than it does to music production. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there have been times like where I've been working on a demo and like, you know, I'll put down my electric guitar for a second. I'll go over to the synthesizer, play exactly the same chords and I'll go, oh my God, I've just like recorded an 80s synth pop thing. It's like, I didn't mean to. It's like, so his genre could be accidental even. Yeah. Uh, But it's, I think uh, it's interesting to then say like, oh, we're trying to use pop songwriting techniques where it's just like, arguably what you could say that we're saying is that what we're trying to do is use good songwriting techniques <laughs> yeah yeah uh or like pleasing songwriting techniques because there are some songwriting techniques that you want uh where the sound is not pleasing like noise for example like a lot mm. of the point of genres like that is to be a, as abrasive as humanly possible um yeah, it, it's it's kind of interesting to deconstruct the goals that we arbitrarily set about, like, two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we can go too far into these things. It's just like, I think we ended up with, um, you know, some good, some not so good, but, you know, 14 songs. And that's the thing, at the end of these things, I always think is like, we did it, you know, regardless of even, like, how it sounds, like, we did it. Yeah, it's like, you know, there are definitely at least two or three from this run that I'm thinking like, okay, I'll put them on a project in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is, you know, and the- two or three songs that I don't have to write. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how they're produced up, actually. I'm looking forward cool. to hearing yours fully done. Like, uh, if Help Me Juliet's uh, anything to go about, it's your next thing, your next release is going to be good. Well, thank you. Um, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, help me, Julia. I felt like a bit of a fluke, um, but but we'll see. So that's it for this week. Uh, we actually ended up recording an episode that was about three hours long <laughs> before you realised. So uh, we've decided to split it up. So uh, part one was this week, which is the recap of the previous seven songs, and uh, next week will be Roger and I discussing uh, my latest release, Apathy Will Get You Nowhere, which is available now on Bandcamp and Spotify and various other places. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with the show, why not write us an email at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram uh, by searching Weekly Song Podcast, and uh, we should come up on those. Uh, If you want to find Roger's music, you can find him on Bandcamp at rogerhevers.com or on Spotify or various services. He's also got a YouTube where he's been putting up a load of covers over the past couple of months, which are all really cool, and I recommend you check them out. And if you want to find my music, search for Declan Kitchener Music on Facebook or YouTube, where you'll find a page that I update sometimes, and uh, my YouTube channel where I've been putting up a load of covers. Uh, And if you want to find my actual music, you can find that at Bandcamp and at Spotify just by searching for Declan Kitchener. Uh, so we shall see you next week for the discussion of apathy will get you nowhere. All right. See you then. Ta-ra.